Ladies and gentlemen, what is up and what is going on? And welcome back to another installment of the Rufus Rundown. I'm your host, Rufus. And uh, it's been quite some time, once again. Uh, like I said, I'm still trying to get back to the old consistency thing. Um, and the winter is going to be able to provide that. I, I, at least I hope. Uh, it's the plans. I got some other things lined up with what I'm doing with this. And I hope it's all for the better. Um, so we've got a couple things lined up for you today on today's show. Uh, first off, starting off, vaccines been approved for COVID-19. Now, it's not a lot, it's not really a sports thing. That's just a worldly thing. But they're going to start getting out this vaccine. Whether you want to take it or not, That you can be indifferent about that. I'll be indifferent for this sense. It still shows that we're on a way back to normalcy. None of this new normal stuff. Now we're back on track to a form of normalcy now it's not your not a, the same it hasn't gone through the same testing of the vaccines done like it, it's a different kind of vaccine to uh knock this thing out of the park really to train your body to fight off with antibodies it's a little different uh, than what most people would expect out of a vaccine but it is a vaccine nonetheless it is a way to help a lot of the people that are coming down this thing and combating this virus that has taken the whole world and specifically the u.s by storm so it's nice to know that within the next couple months that we're really gonna it's not just you know social distancing and all this stuff that's gonna be able to you know help combat it we legitimately have a weapon to combat this thing with which is which is a huge deal of news um, obviously more and more news will come out on it more uh, but obviously at, at on the surface as it is it's a huge deal to have this thing going forward for 2021 to to, to really rebound from how tough of a 2020 this has been. I mean, it's been tough for a lot of people. I mean, it's tough for me at times too, but I mean, like, I've also been able to do a lot more with this as well within 2020, which I'm very, very happy with. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to continue that even with or without COVID. The Rufus Rundown will continue to go on. Um, so, today's episode, we'll get into it. Today's episode is brought to you by Vins Organics. It's a natural herbal supplement. Well, not supplements, it's natural. You see it right here, relief of sore muscles. He also has the cream for, uh, it has the cream for the, tat the tattoo cream, but it's a pain solve. Here, we got aches, pain, strain, stuff like that. Vins Organics, a totally organic compound blend. Smells good. It feels good on, like, any wound yet. I had a giant bruise on my arm over the summer, and it totally got rid of it in two days, changed the color of it, everything, and it just faded right away. And it's fantastic for all your aches and pains. I know everybody's on this big CBD waiver. is used to icy hot and stuff like that. Let me tell you the way to go. Vins Organics right here. Oh, look, I didn't frame. Right here. Um, so the, the cool thing is with that is that I have that there for you guys. Um, we're going to be doing a giveaway. Me and, me and Vinny, Vin DeMeo, is going to eventually be a guest on the show. The owner of Vins Organics, obviously, you can put a blend, um, is going, it, we're going to be doing a giveaway. Uh, I'll be posting some details uh, to lead to that um, and how we're going to be doing that giveaway about that sample right there. Um, so stay tuned to Vins Organics on Instagram. I believe that's his Instagram. I'll put the links in the description. I have the links to VinsOrganic.com. Uh, go get some Vins Organic. If you're having some aches, having some pains, if you're an athlete for sure, uh, but if you get older too and you're just you know, having a little elbow pain before you go to the gym, after you go to the gym, it's amazing for that kind of stuff. Um, tell them Lucas sent you. Head over to VinsOrganic.com. I'll have all the information for Vinny and the Vins Organics in the description. And also, the show is brought to you by Elite Athletic Gear. Gear by athletes for athletes. 
like I said, I used all their gear through uh, through high school. I have the headband still that I still work out, and I was wearing. I think I was wearing one of the last episodes. I just wear it in general because uh, I have some really crazy curly hair. Uh, the headband's not a bad look. The headband is not a bad look, if I do say so myself. A little Pat Mahomes-esque, but Pat Mahomes doesn't have a lead athletic gear as a sponsor. So he's kind of an unlucky guy. I do. Get your 15% off, especially before holiday time. Knock off an additional 15%. Using the code RUFUSRUNDOWN over to EliteAthleticGear.com. And again, I'll have all that stuff left in the description below. But we got a lot to get into. we got NBA, we got NFL, even a little bit of MLB news, and some World Soccer news too. So we got a, we got a, we got a full schedule here. we got a pretty good schedule here. we got the ESPN player rankings that came out, the Paul George extension. I want to talk a little Celtics. I want to talk about the Kyrie thing. So there's a couple of things. Uh, Giannis, Giannis as well too. I have some. I, I think I have, a, I have an opinion on that as well. Uh, and then the NFL obviously just was an absolute. It just again, it, 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 very few leagues can entertain as much as the NFL. And all that blitzes with hail mary plays on is probably one of the main ways to do that. Is probably one of the main ways to start discussion. So we'll get right into the Paul George news. Paul George signing. What Paul George signed a hundred ninety million dollar contract, I believe. What's it? it it's a. It, it's uh. Let's see what it is. Uh, yes. Yeah, so the the contract can pay him up to two hundred and twenty six million dollars over the next five years. Um, uh, it's a four year, hundred ninety million dollar, uh, fully guaranteed contract. It, 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 it a massive massive deal. Unmovable now he is because no one wants that contract. No one's gonna. No one wants Paul George. I don't think the Clippers wanted this. I think. I think. I think the Clippers had like no choice but to keep him happy because they couldn't flip for anything else, and the way has gone. I just don't think he's worth that contract. I don't think anybody. I mean, athletes in general. I mean, it's tough to offer anybody a contract of that magnitude. How? How does Paul George get this contract? Paul George is on the decline. Struggled in the playoffs yet again. Is a declining player. Has been for a couple of years now, in my opinion. Has been a declining player. And it's declining due to reason of one of the most horrific injuries we've seen on the basketball court. I mean, it's not like Kevin Ware asking anything, but it was pretty ugly. It was pretty bad. That is a horrifying and terrible injury. And now he's getting this big contract when he's already declining, already aging. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't make any sense to me. I, does anybody want to make sense to me? I mean, I, I just... I, I don't know. It's, it makes him unmovable. So he had the player option coming up. I believe it was after this after this season he was going to have the player option, right? Or even before, the year after. The year after we had the player option, but obviously that is moot now as the extension comes in for that. Um, I just, I just, I don't get it. His response was, "Do I owe them a trophy?" And that's what I owe this organization. This is Kawhi's team 100% all the way through Paul George, Pandemic P. I don't know where he went. Where'd he go? He went missing in action. And now he gets this deal? I don't I don't know. Um, it, 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 I, I don't know if him committing is going to try and get them to get Kawhi to commit. Listen, if there's anybody you want to commit first, it's Kawhi before Paul George. You don't want to end up stuck with Paul George. And you're not Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is what makes this is what, what what makes it go. What makes this car travel? What makes it go? I I don't I don't know if he did it to keep Kawhi there to continue to play with Kawhi. I I, I am dumbfounded by the decision. I just he went missing in action in the playoffs. Just absolutely missing in action. 
it, it doesn't vibe well with me. Does not vibe well with me at all. Especially with the injury that he suffered. I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't get it. I don't get it in the eyes of the Clippers. I wouldn't have give. I would have. I would have let it come to that before that playoffs. You still had a whole another season here to determine what you wanted to do with Paul George, and if you had to blow things up or anything like that. I. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. What, what, I, I got to figure out when is Kawhi Leonard's contract up. Kawhi Leonard. It, 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 if it came down to. If, if, if I think I don't think Kawhi Leonard next year. When it, when his contract comes up, um, it, it it doesn't make. When is his? When is, when is Kawhi, Kawhi Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, he just signed. He signed a three-year deal. So. Okay, so Kawhi Leonard's contract as well would have been up. The same year where Paul George had the player option. So I don't understand what you have all of this year to determine what you want to do with that, if he's worth it. Because I don't think Paul George had warranted any of that extension. Any of that extension. To, to, to the magnitude that it was to this point. I don't think he's proven anything that you can build a core around him and win a title with him being the number two to Kawhi Leonard at number one. I don't think it at all. It uh, I, I'm lost. I'm lost for words. On we start off hot in the show. We're starting off on fire. Cause Paul George at times has looked aging. He's looked aged. Um, he's he's just looked lackadaisical, and quite honestly, he's just not looked clutch enough. And that's what Kawhi's there for. But. When, when a guy binds up the way that Paul George did in those playoff games as a number two, as that guy, as just right up there, skill level-wise with Kawhi, at least you want to believe, and he puts up the numbers he did, it's unacceptable, especially for that price, and you cannot win with that. And if that's going to stay consistent in big games, especially with his inability to, to now play against undersized players... As he's bigger, big, as it goes against bigger lineups, I don't like it. I don't like the contract at all. I, I just, I, it doesn't, it, 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 it dumbfounds me. It dumbfounds me. It, the NBA will continue. I mean, it, it, it doesn't put you any closer to the Lakers. I don't think Paul George puts you over the top. You need to add a lot of different people to do that. And I don't think, I'd be honest with you, I don't, I don't think he does anything for Kawhi. I don't think Kawhi really is like, oh, Paul George saying, I'm saying. If Kawhi had stayed, that might keep Paul George, if you want to keep Paul George. But if there's anybody we want to lock down, it's Kawhi Leonard. You want, you, lock, you don't want to get stuck with Paul George. He's unmovable with that contract now. You cannot move Paul George after, after the fact now. Impossible. Not, not, not able to do. He will not be moved ever with that deal. Unless you give up a boatload of picks and a prospect with him. Um, and you've already got him Shea Gilders-Alexander for him, who's a pretty damn good basketball player for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So... I, I, the, the Clippers are all in on this core, and I don't know. It, and it's not a question he's done. It's not a it, quite honestly, unless you add a couple of the pieces. There's this, this piece to be added that they cannot add with the way the salary cap looks, and it's not it. It's absolutely not it. I don't know what they could have got for George if they tried to flip him or anything within the year after. Outright, what they could have done. Um, James Harden's out there in the market. James, I, I, James Harden's out there in the market. Uh, apparently. You know, is 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 wants out, and surely would have been a possibility with Paul George and company. Um, I think to get James Harden, I don't know if the Rockets would have wanted to trade them within you know within conference, but 
That surely would have been doable. Surely would have been, I think, doable. There could have been a deal there for the Clippers to try and swing one for James Harden. We're giving him a lot. But I think it's worth it more for James Harden than it is for Paul George to lock him in there and now is unmovable. So, questionable by the Clippers. I mean, Paul George certainly has to be happy. That's a guy who knows he's aging, who can feel his joints and stuff reacting to all this, coming off of one of the most catastrophic uh, injuries we've seen in recent time. And 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 this crumbled one of the more up-and-coming teams at the time when he got hurt was the Pacers when he absolutely folded his leg in what an ugly and gruesome fashion. Um, and while I touched on James Harden here and possibly swinging a deal of James Harden and Paul George in the same deal, because I just don't... Just, Paul George is not it. Paul George can't... is it, not the two to get it done with Kawhi. He's not the guy. I don't think he is at all. And I'm, and if it, if it comes back to bite me, I'll tell you I was wrong. I'll, I'll have this save. I'll have this archive. You'll always be able to watch it, and I'll, and I'll react to it. But I'm telling you right now, that's not the guy you, you want over that period of time for that price with Kawhi, without a commitment from Kawhi, past the same amount of time that you would have had to adjust to whether Paul George wanted to actually stay or not. So, it, it, it wouldn't have done that much for chemistry anyway. I, I, even if he had it on the table, he still would have had the player option and still had that longevity and still had that guaranteed money there. If it's a couple of years after, if he performs up to that level... It, it's it's it still would have been there for him. If that money's still there for him, and the fact that he probably wanted to get it done sooner rather than later should scare you if the Clippers a little bit. Uh, but James Harden finally reported the camp. He's gonna have to test for COVID quite a bit of times because he was spotted. I think little little baby's a uh, little baby. There we go. There we go. Little baby in the pot. Little baby. He spotted his birthday. He gave him like what hundred thousand dollars, and he gave him another hundred thousand dollars and a bunch of honey buns and a bag, uh, something like that. I saw a KFC uh, barstool video on it. Uh, but he finally reported to camp. Apparently, wants out of Houston along with uh, they they and they obviously the guy they moved first to try and make things better, and they keep rotating point guards in for him. Uh, they swung Russell Westbrook out of there, and Westbrook's not the guy with him. I think Wall can play a little more pass first. I think Wall can play a little more to the strengths of James Harden, but I still think they're gonna be. Uh, and they added Demarcus Cousins at center, which can be a big thing. Who won't play with John Wall? So, it becomes very interesting. I think the, the Rockets are better off with the way they're set up right now, with a spread big, now like Boogie, and then John Wall, who can play more to the strengths of James Harden, and then, you know, just James Harden being one of the best isolation scorers in the NBA and that we've ever seen, not just the NBA right now, in general, all time, one of the best ISO one-on-one scorers you're ever going to see in the NBA. Uh, you got guys like P.J. Tucker in there as well, Robert Covington that are going to contribute as well with big, spread big like Boogie Cousins. I mean, if he can stay healthy, that's the huge thing for the Houston Rockets is DeMarcus Cousins being able to stay healthy. But I don't know. I, I, I think Harden still really wants to be there, and they're just people team to spread rumors. I mean, I think Houston would accept the right deal, but I do think I do think that um, while James Harden can be flaky at times and such, I, I think it's going to be a good fit in Houston. I think he's going to stay. And I think it's going to be a good fit. I don't know if it's a title-winning fit, which is what they're predominantly after, but I think it will it, it will lead to a conference final appearance for the Houston Rockets here. I, I do. I don't know if it's too early to say that. I'd like to see some preseason in action. But they've had an extended offseason in, in comparison to a lot of the other, not as much as the Western Conference teams, but the teams that are going to compete for that spot because they go on longer and longer and have had less time to prepare, even now more so than ever. I So I do believe 
that the better deal um, is, is having John Wall point guard, Boogie Cousins being able to spread the floor as a center because they've had Clint Capella. They've had other guys. They've tried playing P.J. Tucker at the five. So there's, there's certainly some other things going on uh, now around James Harden that I think are really going really gonna to benefit him. Um, so now... Another thing I want to get into now that we've talked about a couple of those things, I got the ESPN player rankings here, uh, uh, 50 through 11. I do 150. Eh, you can you can you can do your discussions, uh, but I've had this conversation. You go through this uh, now. The way the rankings go is what they think they're going, how it's going to contribute next season, not what they did, what they think they're going to do for the next season. Uh, the top NBA players for. Going into who will be the best place next season? So they're projecting what the power rankings should look like by the end of the season. Um, they had Kemba Walker at 48, and and apparently I just scroll by the article. Yep. Yeah, uh, so they, they they had Kemba Walker at 48, and then they uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is at 49. It, and I know Kemba's going to be out for a little bit with an injury, but it's it, 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 unacceptable. It is absolutely unacceptable for. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is not is not a spot below Kemba at any point at all at all. He's just not. I don't believe I don't believe him to be. But here we are having that conversation now. And then you get at forty seven. Who's who? I figured who was right above him. Um, it was Victor Oladipo right above him. Victor Oladipo still hasn't played any type of consistent minutes at all since his quad detached from his leg. His quad muscle detached from the bone of his leg. And he Oladipo was already ranked at 33 last year, and then only drops to 47. Kemba has pretty much routine knee surgery for NBA players at this point, at this point in his career, and drops from 17 to 48. Gordon Hayward is at 45, and I get that he's going to be the best player on his team, but he's still not going to be the ball dominant player with a mellow ball there. Marcus Smart. I gotta scroll. Marcus Smart made it up to the 30s, I believe. Now, given he will he will put in some numbers in the absence of Kemba, they put Marcus Smart nine spots ahead of Kemba Walker. How disrespectful is this Kemba Walker? I I I know that he's gonna miss some of the season, a good chunk of the season, but still, in terms of contributions, 48. It's his knees that big of a question mark? I I I I don't I don't believe that. I don't believe his knee to be that big of a question mark. Not as to the point where Marcus Smart will be a better player than Kemba Walker at any point this season. At any point this season. They had Chris Middleton above Kemba Walker. Chris Middleton was above Russell Westbrook, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Malcolm Brogdon, Fred Van Vliet, Porzingis, Vucevic, Jaron Jackson, and Draymond Green's where we can draw the line. Karis LeVert was ranked above Kemba Walker. That is where we are at. Karis LeVert, Vucevic, Van Lee, Shea, I can give you those guys. I can give you those guys. But Chris Middleton? Then you go to De'Aaron Fox at 34, Drew Holiday at 33, Jalen Brown at 32? At what point is Jalen Brown going to be better than Kemba? I know he's going to play more this year. But in terms of impact, what are we talking about? Jalen Brown's going to be four spots below Brandon Ingram? You're going to say anyone healthy with the year, the year, they put Ja Morant at 31. They put Jalen Brown one spot below Ja Morant. What planet am I on? And, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with ESPN doing the list and it being an ESPN Plus exclusive article. 
So maybe they put some of these names out there in these numbers to get people to purchase, to see the full thing, and just to raise some eyebrows. And that is damn well a possibility. That is damn well a possibility by ESPN because we know how they work and how they push certain articles in certain ways and push the buttons of a lot of people to get responses like I'm doing right now. Which is why I'm not going to pay too, too much attention. But there's no honest. I mean, it's because that's how wild it is. That is how it just CJ McCollum being above Trey Young and CJ McCollum being Kyle Lowry was ranked above John Moran. So, to go to the rest of the list, be pur purposeless. Uh, Jason Tatum at 11, which I guess could happen. I guess could happen. He, he, he's, def he's definitely a top 20 player in the NBA, for sure. Um, we're going to see how he handles more, having more of the load this year, for sure. I'm still not 100% sold on Jason Tatum. Uh, I was more impressed with Jalen Brown. I still really believe in Kemba. And I still think Marcus Mars to go. We'll get into uh, I, I I so I guess we can go right into it right now because I next up on the docket as well. Uh, and how the Celtics just got didn't flip Hayward for Miles Turner. They bring in Tristan Thompson. And while I don't hate Tristan Thompson, so outright, outright, no surroundings, no information, just the signing alone of Tristan Thompson in terms of cap space and what he's going to provide for the Celtics. I, I don't mind the move. I don't hate it. I don't love it, and it, 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 it actually, I don't like it, but I don't hate it. I don't dislike it either, but I don't like it. I mean, I guess I was indifferent on it. I mean, you could do worse, you could have done better. You could have got a guy like Miles Turner who spaces the floor. And, and, and Danny, Danny Ainge is so stubborn. He's so stubborn. He's so stubborn with it that he doesn't want to give up on Hayward because he's the mastermind. You can't push him around, and and, and I think what's going to happen now with this 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 trade uh, with this trade cap with the trade cap that was given to us to the sign and trade for Hayward, where we gave up picks just to get the trade exception back, is now the deal is going to be well. Danny's not going to make any monumental moves. He's going to wait till the trade deadline and swing a big deal, and then nothing's going to happen again. And the Celtics are going to be destined to stay staying at fourth or fifth in the East, and that's exactly where they're going to stay for the whole season, regardless of when Kevin comes back or not. Or even when Kemba comes back, they're going to be a severe middle-of-the-pack team that cannot get over that hump because they do not have a 1A absolute number one superstar. They're not going to do it. It's not It's not possible. They don't have a Jimmy Butler. They don't have a LeBron James and or an Anthony Davis. We all thought that was going to happen, right? Danny was supposed to be swinging a deal for Anthony Davis. He went to the Lakers. They don't have someone who could be like a Zion Williamson in... In time, even Zion as it is right now, they don't have a Jaw, who I think Jaw Morant has that ability as well too. They, they don't have these guys. They don't have a Kevin Durant. They don't have a Kawhi Leonard. They don't have a James Harden. Jason Tatum is not those guys. Neither is Kemba. So, and the twos and threes are not good enough. They are not. Jalen, you know, he just. The Lakers are loaded. That is a team. That is a competitive, competing for a title team. The Heat, a lot of young guys loaded up. Jimmy can take the game. Bam. They have Jimmy and Bam. That's their 1-2. Tatum and Kemba as a 1-2 does not compare to Jimmy and Bam as a 1-2. They don't. I'm so, And I'm not sorry. That is, the, that, is the, that is the God's honest truth. That is the full truth coming out of me. Tatum and Kemba do not compare 
to bam and Jimmy Butler. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. And that's just one of many teams in the East. Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and we'll get into the Kyrie stuff later, still think he's an a- I think he's a dick. I think Kyrie Irving outright is a dick. Don't like, I, I cannot stand the guy. Incredible basketball player, though. Tatum and Kemba do not match up at all with KD and Kyrie. Both KD and Kyrie are better outright than Tatum and Kemba. Individually, guard versus card, forward versus forward, versus forward even after the injuries. And how am I going to have Kemba for? So it's going to be Tatum and Brown? And Smart's going to be taking a lot of these shots? The Celtics are, are in for another just mediocre season in the East. And would be lucky to make it to the Eastern Conference Final this year. Would be incredibly lucky to do so. Regardless of what Danny does at the trade line. Because everybody's going to get their hopes up. We got this cap room. We got these all these late round draft, first round draft picks to swing that nobody wants. And then when they do, and when we can swing for someone like a Miles Turner who might not be at the value that he once was, but you can give him a shot in this offense and space the floor with a big finally. The last time you were able to space the floor with a big was Aaron Baines, and he didn't even shoot like that back then. And even then, Al Horford, he's he, 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 he can rebound better than Al Horford. He can space the floor, he's quicker, he's younger. Has a lot has a lot higher of a ceiling than Al Horford did. Average Al. Last time you could flip space the floor as a center and you did average Al. Miles Turner, I would Miles Turner's 100 percent better than Al Horford. And you could have flipped Hayward with a couple draft picks for him. And Danny's so stubborn that he, that he was sticking the resign and then somehow locked out with at least being able to get the trade exception that he's gonna use some of it on a couple role players like an Ennis Cantor style. Or not even that, because he'll wait till the trade deadline to say that he's making this big move and bringing in this cap and having that cap space for that. And then we'll sign some buyout free agent like we did with Ennis Cantor. That's exactly what happened. That'll, that'll be exactly what happens to the Celtics. And they'll be destined for another mediocre run right in the middle of the pack of the East. And we'll be damn lucky to make it to an Eastern Conference Final. Now, they brought in every... Now, I've, always, I've said it for a long time. I don't, think, I don't think Brad Stevens is a player's coach. I think he's a very good X and O's guys. And then gets beat by his own defenses. But that's an entire... I mean, I still think he's a very good X and O coach. I think he's a very good basketball coach in terms of fundamentals. I just don't know if he can get all the if he if he get, he doesn't get more out of, out of players that are already up at a, at a certain level. He gets a lot. He milks every ounce of basketball talent out of nothing, out of people that were Isaiah Thomases, out of the Jay Crowders, out of the Avery Bradleys, the Marcus Smarts. He gets them to a point where they're above that chip on their shoulder. Gets them to play into a system, but that is limited. That is capped. Now he has a lot of players who are somethings who can be big things. The Jalen Browns, he has the Jason Tatum. He cannot. He just does not elevate those players well with consistency. With consistency, there's times you show it. The spurts, man, look, look how good he looks. Look how good that looks. Look how good they're playing. And then they lose it. And it seems like he's almost lost a lot. He lost. Kyrie Irving hurt a lot of that. But a lot of that comes out of the control of the coach as well, too, being able to control that locker room. And again in the playoffs, Marcus Smart blowing up passionate as he may be, there's still a good amount of chemistry that comes down with the coach control in the locker room. They've brought in now Evan Turner as an assistant coach for player development. Evan Turner being brought in to bridge that gap. Now, he played incredible when he was in Boston. That's the most anybody's ever got out of him was in Boston under Brad. So you hope that that's a guy that players can go to and Brad can focus on the X's and O's things. You hope that that's what, that, that comes of that. 
you hope that Turner can be that guy for the players and they can calm some people down and Brad will begin to elevate his play calling and his coaching and we start to really see some of these guys like Tatum who I think his ceiling is well he's a lot closer to ceiling a lot of people he doesn't have that much more room to grow uh, the Jalen Browns who with his athleticism the ceiling is limited to this but it doesn't look like he's mat- he's gonna mature much more in that sense of being able to knock down more shots and create and really create his own shot from the outside and a Marcus Smart who might be shooting more con- who might numbers wise shoot better when it comes down to it, in terms of consistency over time, doesn't really have it. This couple of you guys might be able to blossom if Evan Turner can really flip the switch in terms of chemistry in this locker room. So, at least they're trying to do something about it. And they're not just stubborn to the fact of, this is our core, this is how we're going to do it, we're going to stick with it the way it is, and just commit to this mediocre fourth and fifth finish again, and get stuck in the middle of nowhere. Um... So, that's where I'm at with the Celtics. That's where I think they're at. And I think it's all going to play out the same way that I said. We're going to get to that, you know, we're going to be in, in the hunt. We're going to come around to that trade deadline period. Danny's going to say, like, oh, we're going to flip this big move. It's with the, the vibes are going to be around here. And he's going to sign some bought-out player from some team for cap stuff. And we're not going to get any type of trade deal to come here. I, I think that, and that's just what I believe is going to roll out. Now we can talk about another big deal is the Giannis deal, which he has to sign the Big Max extension, the home player extension, the homegrown extension um, for, what, two days before the season starts, which is very, very soon, by the way. Uh, it is December 9th, to, uh, December 10th today, so the season started in 12 days. Yeah, 12 days the season starts. So he's going to have to, um, by the 20th, he's going to have to sign this deal if he wants to. And he's been pretty upset since the whole Bogdan Bogdanovich thing. And, the, and it reports from Woden's, Woj and Shams have said that the Bucks have been pretty quiet on contract talks. Then Giannis was asked about it and he said, I'm just focused on myself and focused on basketball. Now, you know that when people get out of a relationship, they'll come out and they'll say, I'm just focused on myself right now. More importantly, girls normally do that. And it does not normally mean I'm focusing on myself. It normally means things are going off the rails. Things are not good. Um, it, 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 it's, not, it, it's not healthy for most people when they have to go out and publicly tell people, I'm just working on myself right now. And, everybody, and, and mostly dudes know what I'm talking about now, but everybody really knows what I'm talking about right now. And people say, I'm working on myself after a relationship. You know what that means. <laughs> you know what that means. And... Giannis saying that, I'm focusing myself in basketball right now, is not good. This is not Bobo for the Bucks, especially after in that relationship, in in that relationship between the Bucks and Giannis, they botched the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing. Oh my God, honey, I made it up to you, and then it's ripped. It, they, they don't they didn't get it. They, they, he didn't agree to the sign and trade Bogdan Bogdanovich. So. It is not a good look right now for the Milwaukee Bucks. It is really not. The whole tampering thing on top of that, which was a whole assault on smaller leagues and smaller market teams in that league, that's a totally separate conversation. That's kind of disappeared. But I think that this is a rough patch and they're in a relationship and they only have 10 days. This is not, they have a very limited amount of time to figure this thing out before the season starts for them to sign this deal. Or we're going to have a big sweepstakes for the Greek freak. Like I said, we, we know what working, I just want to focus on myself means in terms of relationships. And you know that the Bucks screwed up in this relationship. 
And I think it's, uh, for a long time, I thought Giannis was going to be staying. I'm like, ah, he won't leave Milwaukee. And especially when those deals were made, those were to solidify keeping him there. But still botching the Bogdanovich thing, whew, it puts them in a tough spot. But it's a lot of money for Giannis to risk away, but he knows that he can I don't think it's about money for Giannis. I think it's about titles, at least at a certain period of time. I think he likes winning. He likes being in a, in a place that he can have faith and have trust in. And when them saying, like, we're going to make this deal, we're going to make it happen, and then hap, have it happen, and then botch it, it's gonna. I, I, I really do think this could mean that Giannis is going to be leaving Milwaukee. I truthfully do, truthfully do believe that. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is Kyrie Irving. Um, when I scripted this, well, not scripted this, when I when I brought down my bullet points, Kyrie had not yet been fined. But he, I already said that it, the things about when he went on Kevin Durant's podcast and talked about how um, Kevin Durant's the first player that he's ever been on a team with where he's actually trusted with the last shot. Um, and then has now since come out and said, I'm not going to talk to the media this year. I'm just going to let my play do the talking. First and foremost, you're contractually, contractually obligated to talk to the media. When you sign that NBA contract, it is, part of the, it is part of the league, the branding, and how the league makes money, how the league pays you, how your team pays you, all of the above, it matters. So it, you, you have to talk to the media. And if you don't want to, you can't, be, you can't force them to, you will, be, you will be fined. The team was fined 25000 He was fined 25000 And you know what fining the team does? It's going to get the team on his ass. It, Kyrie, has, it, it, it is snobbish. It is selfish. It is incredibly annoying as a fan and for kids to look up at him and just, he, it's not a good image that he's painted for himself. In the Stephen A. rant on it was absolutely fantastic. This this guy is out of his tree. A fantastic basketball player. What healthy, by the way. $33 million plus dollars to this guy over the next couple of years. And he can't go out there and talk to the media at least like Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here so I don't get fined. He can't even at least do that. Give a couple minutes of your time to these people. It's their job, the media's job. And you bring a lot of this stuff on yourself. You made the comments on KD, and, and you know exactly who you were going at with that. The, the flat earth thing, you, you, all of this stuff, you know what you're bringing upon you. Not a lot of, very little of this stuff with Kyrie has been twisted and tangled and mangled. Now, and I had more faith when he was in Boston than a lot of people did. And I was wrong to have that faith, and it shows even more so now. And just how bad of a look it is for him. And it's changing a lot of opinions on him. The NBA is a rough patch right now in terms of fans. A lot of sports are. It's not just the NBA. It's not the politics thing. It's not the whole race-related stuff. It's not that. It's just in general, a lot of these, other than the NFL, are losing viewership. And this is not helping with that. It, it is, I really just believe it's not. He, he is an absolute flake. It's just, it just screams selfish. And it screams immature still, and that's why that guy, that's why Kyrie Irving was not able to be the number one superstar. He has all the talent and all the ability in the world to be the number one on the team, and could have led that Celtics team, but he's too immature to do so. And this just even more so proves it. So I still think there's some accountability that Brad Stevens had to take in that locker room, but a lot of that blame still falls on Kyrie Irving for me, and even more so since this incident, more of it than even I thought, because I was very critical of Brad Stevens when it happened. Still critical of Kyrie, but more so, I was I was more critical than most people were, and a lot of people in 
the bigger media than me were on Brad Stevens. And I'm going to deduct some of that blame now just from this experience alone because it just shows just how selfish and self-centered Kyrie Irving is. How inconsiderate Kyrie Irving is. So many stories now just come up and it's all about him. When he was outside of the bubble, when he wasn't even playing and was trying to stop people from playing. It's always about him. It's always about him. And it's incredibly disrespectful to the NBA, to his team, to his teammates, to just create that extra distraction, that noise, have people be asking him about why Kyrie won't speak to the media, and then to take the team getting fined, him getting fined, which shouldn't matter, 25000 a guy making 30 million, ain't nothing. But then it takes away from the team. It, 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 it is such a mess brought on by nothing. Go go answer a couple questions. Be, you, you can lie, you can fib, you can be as basic as possible. Pull up Bill Belichick, Ron in Cincinnati. Ugh. Frustrating. It's frustrating for me as a member of media. It, 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 media. But like, you know what I'm saying? It, it just, it, people have a job to do. And they're not twisting stuff up on you. They're not doing a Seth Wickersham piece. Which there was obviously some truth to on that. Side note. Very big side note. Um, but you know, no one's forcing you to say any of that stuff that you've said that's created this storm for yourself. No one has. You've opened it up for yourself. And you are failing to take responsibility for it and have your entire career. So that's my piece on Kyrie Irving. It lets us move on to the NFL, which... Why not start with Greg Williams getting fired after the all-out blitz? Now I have I have I have the stat too in terms of like the percentage chances of that in the play and how it was made and here and here it is so during this game the um, ESPN tracking like the football analytics like football analytics and metrics and like all these like very specific plays haven't been tracked so near and dearly closely for a long time since 2006 is when this was listed so the Jets sent the house seven pass rushers on the Raiders on the game-winning touchdown in a Hail Mary-type situation where only the touchdown hurts them. It's an unheard-of play call in, in, in their data set since 2006. There are only one team in that data set, again, since 2006, to send six-plus pass rushers that met all three qualifiers for score, lead, and distance to go. Final 15 seconds of regulation. Between a four- and eight-point lead and 40-plus yards to the end zone. Entering today, there had been 251 pass plays in that situation since 2006. Entering today. The 252nd time, it's a 1 in 252nd play call, and that's just the, where the data measures. It's a 1 in a million play call. And I, for a very long time, have not believed in tanking in any professional sports league. I'll be like, oh, they're tanking, they're tanking for Trevor. To... Listen, I'm in, a fan of, I'm, I'm in a dynasty fantasy football league, and I'm trying to tank it. I'm trying to lose it, and I can't damn well do it. I can't do it. I can't get... I, I'm winning weeks by accident. Now, given that's a very, just, you know, un, inspecific and inconsequential to the NFL, but it's hard to lose because the talent is so close at that level. I remember my, they thought my, the Miami Dolphins were trying to tank with Flores, and they started winning games at the end of the season. He changed the culture there. It takes time. It, 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 no one's trying to tank. And then I watched that. And then I watched that play. Now, I have... No, I, I, I don't have an issue. I really don't. 
with sending pressure in that situation. You, you could put pressure on him. I don't like just watching the quarterback dance around back there and just load up. Put some pressure on him. Make him make a decision before he has to throw it. But anybody that is not blitzing, anybody that anybody that's not in on the pressure, if you're sending five pass rushers, better damn well be in that end zone. Because only a touchdown hurts you, and there's not enough time, no timeout, enough time for them to get another playoff. Well, they can, yeah, you run out of bounds, sure. Catch it, get a field, get a bounce. What are you going to kick a field goal lose by one to cover a spread? But the Jets covered anyways. But it, asinine, incredibly bad decision, and I think it came from up top. It's at, it's at the point now where here it's not a, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's just out there. How do you get in plain sight? Yeah, we're going to, Greg, we're going to fire you. But uh, here's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Here's a here's a here's a little check. Slide you like a million, two million dollar bonus to keep his mouth shut to know that he's just Jesus. He's just their fall guy. Knowing damn well they're trying to lose that game because they knew the Jaguars were gonna lose it to the Vikings. Un unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable from that, that play call. I just Oh boy. Take a deep breath here. Take a deep breath here. I Wilds. While I was like, oh my god, the Jets are going to win. And the Vegas Raiders continuing to play down to their competition every time they play up to the Chiefs. And when they play a team worse, they play right down to them. That's just been an element of what Gruden's been doing since he was there. Great, very talented, very good teams. And then they play down to their competition, which reflects on coaching. But nothing reflects more on coaching than Jesus Christ. That Greg Williams call. Good Lord. I... It, it, speechless. I was absolutely speechless. I, I, I mean, honestly, I wasn't that surprised with it, but I, you have to be trying to lose to make that call. You have to be. That had to, whether he made it or it came down from the top, you have to be trying to give them a chance or something without putting those guys in the end zone. You can send pressure. I have no issues with them sending pressure, but anybody who isn't better be way back in that end zone making sure that nobody... If they throw, throw short can come up, but you better be in three-man deep coverage, and everybody better be pushed back. Not normal coverage, not a not a one safety look where it's just one on one down the sidelines, or one of already the fastest receivers in the league at Henry Ruggs. Damn, that's unacceptable. It is. It's just bad, just bad football. Just. Bad for sports in general to understand that tanking at that level is going on. So the next thing I want to touch on too, it's something I've been telling you to watch out for for a very uh, for, for a long time now. I've had I've had some people take some shots at the Baker takes and how Baker struggled. Well, Baker's played in some pretty bad weather game personally. I thought he's been injured, uh, but then he comes out and that had one of the best halves of football I think any quarterback's had in a very long time. Uh, but the 334 yards, 76% completion percentage, the four touchdowns, the 147 passer rating. And he's been elevating his play week after week ever since ever since that game where he those games where he struggled, you know he had, he had the I think he had the five turnover game earlier on the Steelers he's been elevating he struggled against the Raiders a little bit again bad weather game that was, but he's been elevating it each week and he's been keeping him in it and that was a game where I said it going in I think the Browns have no business covering even covering this game but for whatever reason the Browns are going to go in and win it, going and absolutely dominate. The Titans made that last push. But really, really impressive stuff from Baker, impressive stuff from Stefanski. I think Baker looks even more and more comfortable each week. 
again, as he adjusts to his third offense in his third year. It's his third offense in his third year, uh, and he's beginning to really adjust late in the season. They're getting hot at the right time, and they might be able to even swing an upset in these playoffs. We'll see what they do this weekend, but the talent is absolute there for Baker. It's a matter of adjusting to that and getting the right weather. They had a lot of bad weather games consistently there. But he's, Jarvis Landry has come to life. They fi- he looks like Baker and Jarvis are finally tight and on that same page. And it looks like the Browns are ready to make some freaking noise in the playoffs. That's for sure. Um, I'm not saying make a run to the, the Super Bowl or anything. But certainly a first-round upset is in the cards. Especially coming after a Steelers team that doesn't look all that much of a solid to win the division either. Even after being undefeated for so long because of how much they struggled and went in their loss to Washington. Now, sometimes a loss for that team, for those kind of teams, can be good. Can make, you can make adjustments. How do you, adjustments? How do you respond to the loss? But they need they need to up that running game. They need to figure that running game out ASAP because if not, they're going to have a lot of trouble because then there's not, they're not putting anybody in the box. Just drop Mac and they're covering those passes and Big Ben can throw the ball. Big Ben can stand in there and do whatever he needs to do. You can have all the wide receiver talent in the world, but if there's no respect in regards to your run game, you have a very difficult time being able to make plays consistently and win football games. And especially when you're winning football games, like they did, like they were winning, stay in front when you're throwing the ball as much as they are, and that's the only way you can get offense. And then you can, you look at the, at the Giants, too. The, the Redskins pull off a win. The Giants pull off a win. Joe Judge has absolutely shaped, changed the culture there. Would you have told me under Pat Shermer, was the last time you, you could have said like a Giants team where the backup quarterback can go on the road to Seattle and win... What a football game. Tom Coughlin. I'm not at all comparing Joe Judge to Tom Coughlin. But it's that kind of culture shift. Hall of Fame head coach culture shift. Joe Judge has a serious amount of ability to be able to create that culture shift. Which is absolutely huge for the New York football giants. Monumental. That's what mo- it's just monumental. So you win with a backup quarterback to Seattle. And again, this is a team that's getting hot at the right time and getting a quarterback in Daniel Jones who continues to get better this season as well, too, when he's healthy. And he's getting healthy now as he comes back. Cole McCoy winning that game is huge because it keeps him on pace for the Redskins and for them to carry through the rest of the season with a hot young quarterback. Daniel Jones who can catch fire. So that's something that's interesting to watch. And again, I'll be, and I haven't referenced it yet, I'll reference it in the show again. I'll be doing my NFL picks this weekend. I won't be doing a full podcast on Saturday. But I will reference the Thursday night game because I'm recording in the middle of the Thursday night game. Um, and then we'll be going into the... I'll, I'll cover that game on the Saturday. And I'll go into some NFL picks on the Saturday show too. Maybe that'll be about a half hour. It'll be, my bonus po- 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 it'll be a, considered a bonus podcast. And it'll certainly be a YouTube video as well. Um, and then the reports today are Drew Brees is still a ways away from returning. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. Uh, with a punctured lung and everything like that. So the... the, 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 the the page I'm talking, I'm thinking Thursday night. Look at my phone. Um, the Saints in the last two years, now Drew Brees, you know, Taysom Hill now two and zero. Teddy Bridgewater was six and zero, and Taysom Hill still hanging in there, throwing touchdown passes. Now looks pretty good. You know, he's able to control the defense. Has certainly helped. Oh, and uh, by the way, in reference to the Saints, see that helmet back there? It's uh, you can see a little black writing on it. That is actually yes, signed by the one and only Drew Brees. Shout out Chris Santos for that one. It is signed. Anybody was going to ask, but yeah, it's a pretty nice looking helmet. Totally unbiased in my same thing. I'm a Celtics fan, you know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Boston guy, except for Pats. I'm unbiased to Pats too. I do respect everything that culture's been done there. Um, but yeah, signed Drew Brees helmet. Shout out Chris Santos. Um, but 
Taysom Hill is still hanging in there. And it shocked a lot of people when they went with Taysom Hill as opposed to Jameis Winston. Myself included. I thought they were going to Jameis. But I heard a pretty decent theory today on why they went with Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston. Now, Teddy Bridgewater got his contract as big as he did from the Panthers because he proved he could do it because he was filling in for Drew Brees when he got injured last year. Uh, Peyton has already said that the heir to the throne of the quarterback position is already in the building, which is either Jameis or Taysom Hill. Are they not playing Winston so they can re-sign him for cheap so they can stay under the, so they can move some cap space around next year and still have their quarterback? Because let me tell you, Jameis looks good. He looks like he's in shape. Looks like he can eat a lot. Just, you know, healthier, in shape, looking good. And I think he can, and he took that $1 million deal to go to the Saints strictly to learn under Sean Payton, who is now obviously very damn good at what he does on the offensive side of the football. And now his defensive coordinator has done an incredible job in building that side of the ball up too. So it is, it's, it's a lot of credit to Sean Payton. A lot of credit to Sean Payton missing uh, Michael Thomas for periods of time. They've owned the missing Drew Brees for periods of time. Having to work with Marquez Cal and then Emmanuel Sanders as well, missing him for a period of time. Uh, Jerry Cook for a period of time. So working with Marquez Callaway, working with Taysom Hill, working with James Winston coming to mid game. Uh, Kamara's been fantastic. MVP level Alvin Kamara. Uh, I, think, I, mean, I thought if he kept up at that pace, would be arguably in there because of how they've had to run through backups and stuff too for the Saints. But they're finally getting the production now from Michael Thomas with over 100 yards receiving from last game. And they're an absolute threat in the NFC. I think they're the best team in the NFC. Um, I don't think anybody's a threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. And I don't think anybody's a threat to them for the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be the Chiefs all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, and and, and I, I can, you know, that's just, I, I don't think the Saints got a shot in hell in, in any Super Bowl they go to. But let's get there first. It's been a rough couple of years in terms of getting there. Before we talk about that as a Saints event, at least. Um, but the Patriots won big, too. And I don't understand how I, I would have... Anthony, they, I don't understand how Anthony Lynn wasn't fired after that game. I know they have a great amount of respect from the building. But 45 nothing without a single player going over for 100 total yards of rushing, passing, or receiving. At 45 points without over 100 yards of rushing, passing, or receiving by any single player. How does that even happen? It's special teams... It's coaching, it's defense, but yeah, everything. But it, it really comes down to the coaching and how good Bill Belichick is at his job. And record against rookie QBs with Bill Belichick, Herbert struggling in nobody's business. Not shocking at the least. And man, I, Anthony Lynn is about a th- just the thinnest and thinnest of threads he's hanging on by right now to that job. For the LA Chargers, because man, that performance really—if it doesn't—if it doesn't put you under the ground, it's—it certainly digs the grave for you. And you got one foot in it, absolutely. I, I think for sure might be a good coordinator, Anthony Lynn. All, all, all said and done, but right now I just don't think he's going to be the future head coach of the Chargers going forward. It might be a while before he gets a head coaching gig, and and that could be the nail in the coffin right there. Was that game? Josh Allen continues to look fantastic in these big primetime games. In these big-time games, uh, continues to look comfortable, continues to look good, and is throwing the ball very well. He's not just that running around now. He's being able to... Uh, that throw on the goal line that he had early, just an absolute missile. The arm strength and the ability and the speed he throws the football with is incredible. Is is just really impressive. 
is accuracy has improved. And I said a while back, I had said to people a while back, that I thought that if I had to pick between Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, I would take Josh Allen. People thought I was crazy. But Josh Allen really has that arm, arm, arm talent. It's continuing to develop. He has more arm talent. I can work with that more as a quarterback. And I think that he's more apt to be able to stop running as much as he is than Lamar is. Now, I, that all being said and done, I've been rooting for Lamar because I still think he's an incredibly talented athlete. His throwing's been inconsistent. He's getting better with it. And the way he runs the ball, if he can stay healthy, just there's more longevity, I think, in Josh Allen. I, because I think that he's able to, de, um, he's going to be able to develop into that pocket guy more so than Lamar is. Now, like he can, he can start to slide into that Mahomes role where he only runs when he has to instead of being designed to run. So, but that all being said and done, Josh Allen looks fantastic. I mean, Lamar is slowed, and I'm sure, and, and Josh Allen has broken through that period where he had to get into a groove, then played very well, and now teams, they, they started to figure him out midway through the season. Now he's broken through that second barrier of, now the teams have figured me out, what do I do? And him th his, his throwing talent is through the roof, off the charts. has been absolutely incredible for the Bills, and it's why they're going to win the AFC East. And it's why I think they're the biggest threat in the AFC to the Chiefs. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too surprised by the Titans, too. Even though the Titans lost to the Browns the way they did, if the Titans can get out to a lead in any of these games, if they get out to any lead, Derrick Henry's a force to be reckoned with. But again, that'll as we get closer to playoff time and stuff like that, those are the predictions I'll begin to make. But I think the Bills right now are the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC, strictly based off how good Josh Allen is. So another, uh, uh, to tail off the NFL news, the Seahawks are putting Danny Etling. The, they signed another, um, they signed a rookie quarterback, undrafted quarterback, to their practice squad. They took away Danny Etling. Why, do you ask? They're going to separate Danny Etling and put Danny Etling in his own individual bubble so they can avoid what happened to the Broncos. Now, you know what happened to the Broncos? They didn't have a quarterback. They had to sign some practice squad receiver who had passed COVID regulation. They couldn't sign a quarterback in the spot because of all the COVID testing and such. So they had to go with Kendall Hinton. Hinton, the receiver, um, who played quarterback at Wake Forest. He turned to receiver, never taking a snap and ever playing quarterback. It was ugly. It was bad. It was not good look for the NFL, but it's COVID. It's 2020. It's what it is, what it is. Now, the Seahawks take a page out of the Patriots book with a page, former Patriots player, Danny Atling, and they separate him entirely and put him in his own bubble in case of that ever happening. They can go to Danny Atling and know that he does not have COVID and is their quarterback for that game in case that ever happens, in case it ever happens with the close contacts and anything like that, which is a pretty big brain move on the Seahawks part of it. I, I think that's a pretty smart move. I don't be surprised if other teams begin to do that in terms of especially coming down the line here where these big games are going to matter. and you, you Playing with a quarterback of Danny Atling's quality would be tough enough. Um, being Having to play with a wide receiver quarterback is, is impossible. Um, but now we get some MLB news. I want to talk Sox a little bit. Uh, the Phillies hired Dave Dombrowski, which I don't have much to say about that. That came out right before I went on. Um, I guess if the, like the Phillies got a pretty decent core right now. They need a guy like that that can come in there and swing some deals. And just empty out your farm system and put you in a in a, in a, <laughs> a decent rut for after that. But they have enough guys like Bryce Harper and big name guys right now where, yeah, you can push for a title. Dave Dombrowski is the guy to do that for you. He will do that for you. He's going to empty your farm system, 
blow up how much money you're paying these players, but you might win your title. Won the Red Sox title in very historic fashion. Um, so that's all that's really to be said about that. I'm sure more and more will be coming out with that because Dombrowski's going to start swinging some moves around, and there'll be bigger news with that. Um, the Yankees have shown interest in a couple of the Pirates players, and Jameson Talion and uh, Josh Bell. MLB rumors will continue to come and come. As we go to like January, February, I'll be able to bring people on and talk more and more baseball. But there is one thing I want to talk about, too, and that is the universal DH. The MLB is, is, is telling teams to not to prepare as if it's not coming back. Why would you get... You're staring a good thing in the face, MLB. They are looking at the universal DH, which is a great thing for the entertainment of baseball. It creates more pitching jobs. It creates more jobs for hitters. And just baseball players in general... There's more roster spot. Everything changes the game. Not totally changes the game in the sense of how teams prepare for certain having a better bullpen, having a better pitching staff, but also being able to have better bats off the bench. Because you don't. Where do you bring that extra roster spot now for that hitter? And can he be a utility guy? And how much do you care for that DH position? Creates so many different avenues, but it creates more jobs for sure. For Baseball players all around, pitchers and pitchers, pitchers and infielders and infield players, and especially with the bigger guys that can hit the ball, hit the long ball, like Nelson Cruz and such. Especially with how much focus there is on the long ball game on me now, and it's going to make the game way more entertaining. And they're just the game will be so ass backwards, so back asswards, ass backwards. It's incredible to me how much Manfred doesn't. Just, just just goes backwards with this stuff because the universal DH, I was like, well, there's going to be some good things coming from the short season. We're going to keep the universal DH. We can try this out. People are going to like it. Nope. We're going to keep all these playoff teams. We're going to see the these teams with under 500 records like the Miami Marlins with a double-A team out there making the playoffs, but we're not going to use the universal DH. They benefited directly from the universal DH, and a lot of teams will, but over the longer uh, over a longer season. But you'll still only have the good teams up there. But you have the expanded playoffs too. The expanded playoffs I don't like. I like less teams than playoffs because it makes all those 162 games matter more. Makes it more entertaining. And then having a universal DH. You don't just have a pitcher come up there and bunt or strike out in that league. There's, there's just, oh man. The man Manfred hurts my head. And then the Red Sox continue to hurt my head. I, I go off on and on about universal DH and how bad of a decision I think it is. And then you look at... The Red Sox have looked at Marcelo Zuna. That's the big guy. Please write a blank check to Marcelo Zuna, for the love of God. They're still petty on the Leicester front. They're not interested in the Leicester. At least they're saying they're not. And that's because Red Sox ownership is still petty in terms of them being offended by the fact that Leicester said they lowballed them because they did lowball Leicester. And now they're petty, and they won't bring them back. They won't say they were wrong. They're sitting on their pride, big time. Still up in air about JBJ, who they should have traded when his value was highest after the World Series, and the same with Andrew Benintendi, and they should bring in Marcelo Zuna. But now they're handcuffed. Now they're really handcuffed. I hope they write up... I hope, I hope, I really hope they bring in Marcelo Zuna. I think Ozuna's been a fantastic player. I think Ozuna has great power threat, especially at Fenway. And it reminds me a little bit, at least a little bit, of Manny Ramirez, who if you hadn't seen recently, was spotted in Australia. And asked a random Red Sox fan in Australia... Who's your favorite player of the Red Sox? Nice hat. And the guy looked at him like he had four heads. 
a just yeah, I didn't know who Manny Ramirez was. How do you know? How do you, be, where, how do you wear Red Sox hat? Not who no who Manny Ramirez is. Listen, looks a little grayer, but it's still Manny Ramirez. How do you not? I, I don't know. We don't we don't stand by that Red Sox fan. He's not one of us. He's not one of us. Absolutely, he's not one of us. So I mean, the Sox ownership's still petty on the Lester front. That's frustrating. I really want to bring in Marcelo Zuna. So do a lot of teams, but I think he's worth the paycheck because he's got a great power threat. Not a bad outfielder. Um, can still play the outfield, and you can rotate between him and JD DHing and playing the outfield, which I think would be really beneficial for both guys and beneficial for the lineup because Ozuna can now protect JD, and you get that middle of the order between Ozuna, JD, and Xander Bogart. I don't think Ben. I, 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 we should have traded Benny when his value is higher. I'm not a big Andrew Benintendi guy. I think he reached his peak. I think we need to flip Benny, and we can't resign JBJ, but we should have traded him when we had the chance to. None of the above was done. Again, that's when Dombrowski was there, though. It wasn't Cayenne Bloom yet. Still could have traded JBJ last year. I don't know what the value is like. I would have liked to at least got something for him, but I, I, I just don't think he should come back. I don't care how good he is defensively. If he's worth six runs saved, that's cool, but he's just such a liability in the batter's box. How many runs you lose with him at the plate in comparison to the six runs he's saving the outfield? Is it that, that important, especially with the focus on the long ball right now in the MLB? I don't think it is. Call me what you want, but the analytics don't lie. The analytics are the way, the way of the league going now, and JBJ ain't worth it. He's not worth that. So that's MLB news. I could rant about the Red Sox. I could rant about the Universal DH. I, like I said, it's just... It's mind-boggling to me how Manfred does this stuff. I thought that was a very good thing that was going to come up this COVID-shortened season was they were going to stick with the Universal DH. You can't go away from it once you see it. And now they're going to go away from it. Prepare as if it wasn't a thing. God, is it frustrating. God, it, pitchers should pitch. Pitchers are POs. That's it. What, because you because Madison Bumgarner had a couple of cool moments or Bartolo Colon hit a home run? That's why you want to keep it in the NL? All those moments would happen. How about... A pitcher like Masahiro Tanaka not blowing out his hamstrings and Yankees actually being able to go and win a World Series because he didn't get hurt during the stretch run. Huh? How about pitchers getting thrown at, hurting their backs, not being able to contribute for their teams down the stretch run and losing early in the playoffs because they were seeded to vote or couldn't pitch in a playoff game because they hit by a pitch or because they hurt themselves sliding. It's, it's asinine. It's absolutely asinine. Or because... Yeah, they you know not calling this pinch hitter is just gonna strike out anyways, because guys get banged up over the season or hurt, and now they have the, the rotate it, it is an absolute mess. Does that it just it, I? They need to keep the universal DH, and I thought that was the like one of the couple of good things that would come out of the COVID shortened season. They're gonna keep the expanded playoffs, and they're gonna get rid of the universal DH. So dumb, so dumb, so dumb. In my in my personal opinion, my personal opinion, that is terrible, terrible decision on the MLB's end. Now, we can finish it up with some world soccer. And I don't know if anybody saw RB Leipzig's huge victory over Man United that knocked Man United out of the UEFA Champions League. I'm just going <laughs> to... I can't even... I'm looking at myself in the camera. And, uh, God, it's... it's, it's I'm going to take a moment here. I'm going to take a breath. I... You know, I might, I, I, you know, normally would probably edit this part out of the podcast, but uh, I think laughing at Man United is just, um, I think everybody enjoys that besides Man United fans. Does. So this is going to stay in the cut. That's going to stay in the cut. It's laughing at Man United fans. So, but on that end, there's a good thing you can pull out of this Man United fans. You should be writing Julian Nagelsmann a blank check. 
You should absolutely be running the Eagles men to blank check. Tactically outplayed all Eagle and Gunnar Solskjaer. Tactically is the best manager you've had. Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho who struggled tactically for you and has since adapted, but struggled wise at you, but over a career term since Mourinho. And then you can tactically Nagelsmann just absolutely outplay you. Do I like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Yes, I do. I do think he's a decent manager. I do. I don't think he's worthy of the Man United spot. I don't think he's worthy of a big spot yet. I think that the players want to play for him. I think he gets more out of players, and I think he gets more, a, a lot more out of players when it comes to big games. But in terms of tactically, every just about every single big, I know just about every game, but I know for a fact every big game, every big six game, besides Arsenal, every single Champions League game, besides even Bashakir and Bashakir they lost to, every big game they are tactically outmatched in terms of the manager spot. All I got to Solskjaer needs to work at a lower league or as an assistant coach for longer because he's tactically outmatched every single game. I think he, I think, like I said, I think the players want to play for him. I think he gets more out of those players. I do. I think the players like him, which is a big part of being a good head coach and being a good coach of these, uh, these football teams. But he is tactically outmatched in, let's say, 90% of the matches he walks into. And if you disagree, I think it's wrong. I don't think it means that all oh, I won't get another shot at a big club or another shot at even United. But he's tactically outmatched, and I think his time is up at Man United. I truthfully do. Um, a guy like Jurgen Klopp, who continues to mix and match with young players and other players and still continues to find success and hang around at the top of the league. Uh, a guy that I mentioned just now is uh, Mikel Arteta, who's not the answer at Arsenal. He's not. And I told you this long ago. I told you this very long ago. I actually, I think I will dig up the podcast, where I said he wasn't the answer. I've been saying for a very long time now, Mikel Arteta is not the answer at Arsenal. And he continues to prove it. And Arsenal fans will continue to come to me with excuses. And I don't hear him. At the end of the day, he's not doing it. Tactically can't get there. Refuses to play certain, to at least give certain players a shot that were brought in by Unai Emery and not himself. He's getting some, some more out of Eddie Nketa. Aubameyang's flopping. Lacazette's flopping. Pepe still continues to be a flop. They're hanging on by a thread with leads. It is just bad. There is no culture change at all. And I don't feel sorry for Arsenal fans, and I've told you why before. I used to very much support Arsenal. I was a Liverpool fan first, but I had no problem with Arsenal having success. I have friends that are Arsenal fans. I respect the hell out of my friends that are Arsenal fans. And I still respect the hell of my friends that are Man United fans, too. I just enjoy laughing at them a little bit. And I am do enjoy laughing at Arsenal fans, too. Maybe it's just my team's had so much success. But with the Arsenal fans, they complained and bitched and moaned about Arsene Wenger and Arsene out and Arsene out. Wanted them out. When they were consistently finishing top four, making the UCL, at least making a little bit of noise there, and winning FA Cups. But that wasn't enough. And was it not enough to ask for more from Arsene as it was to ask for Arsene out? And where has it got you since a incredible manager like Arsene Wenger? You didn't let him work somebody as an assistant. You didn't let anybody come in under him and work as an assistant and work him up. Nope, nope, nope. You ran him out of town, and now you're a bottom half of the table team. That's where you're at right now. Because you ran one of the most legendary, if not the most legendary, Premier League manager out of town. Because you were upset that he wasn't able to push you past the push you into winning a league. But now look where you're at. To ask for more out of him? Nope. 
to demand he leaves and expect that someone else can do a better job for that club at that level? Nope. One hit. One hit. And I liked Unai better than I liked Arteta, but he lost the locker room. That was it. Maybe Arteta's an assistant. He's not it. He's not it. Mikel Arteta is a fraud. 110% fraudulent manager. He's not the guy. They need somebody else. I don't know who they can bring in. Because if you're not too careful right now, you're going to fall and fall and look like a West Ham. Everton brought on the right guy. They brought on Ancelotti. He's, he's, he's had him looking good. Top four. Definitely top ten. Who does Arsenal bring in now? Like I said, any of these big teams should be writing Julian Nagelsmann a blank check to manage their team. Tactically, in terms of any... Uh, uh, in, tactically, one of the best managers in the world were to Robbie Leipzig. And they need to write him a blank check. That's in, in terms of all world football. Any team that needs a guy to get them over the top right now. Any big team that's being tactically on match at all needs to bring a Nagelsmann. Has to. It... It, just, it, 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 it dumbfounded me some of the managers of these big cl football clubs and how they got there. Dumbfounding. Like I said, I was a fan of Ole. was rooting for Ole, but it's been just tactically outmatched. Mikel Arteta just can't, cannot get more out of any of these players. And for the most part, it's consistently tactically outmatched as well. Just can't get the players behind it. And Aubameyang is, is just... There's so many of these players are just falling. Maysuit's pushed out. Lacazette flopping. Obama ain't flopping. Pepe, flop. Saliba ain't playing. You know? It, 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 it is not a good time for us in the football club. And I'm telling you right now, Arteta is making it worse. And I know it's been a very short period of time, but by the end of this year, you will see why there's a reason that Arteta will be fired. And to finish out on World Football 2, oh, we got Barca too. Before I get to the Diego Maradona stuff, uh, Barca have fall, also fallen off a cliff. Obviously, Barca historically is better than Arsenal. It's bigger than Arsenal. Bigger than anybody. Biggest club in the world. Historically. With us, Liverpool, Real Madrid, and Manchester United. Not many bigger. They are linked to selling De Jong to meet financial fair play. Frankie De Jong. They just brought him in. The young kid from the Ajax. 70 million pound market value. I'm sure he'll go for closer to 120 or 130 to Bayern. But they're just trying to get him off the books. A link. That's a link. It's a link. It's not confirmed. But it surprised me. A club like that should not be willing to make financial fair play. And I would not be surprised because Neymar and Messi want to play together so, so badly if PSG make a move for Messi. Imagine a front three of Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar. I love Liverpool. I think they're the best front three in the world right now. But there's not a soul ever touching Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar. And I think that's a real possibility. I think Pogba flipping over to PSG is also a possibility. But just how far have Barca fallen? Where it's pretty much where they're trying so desperately to make financial fair play by selling a young starlet. And then it almost being a formality that Messi's leaving within the year. They go from crashing out of multiple Champions Leagues after blowing big leads and that's where we're at. It's, it's, it's quite an incredible fall from grace. One of the bigger ones we've ever seen. You've seen American sports a lot where teams will fall off. Like the Jaguars. Bad. Inspire the GM too. Bad, just fell off a cliff at their playoff appearance, but at, at, at the magnitude, like the Patriots didn't fall off a cliff. They're six and six right now, and we'll see what they're at after tonight. After tonight, one of the best U.S. sports dynasties ever. The Bulls, I guess, it's comparable to the Bulls. I guess Barca right now is comparable to the post 
post post MJ Bulls. It was the first time they went back to the playoffs. And then they just, ever since now, him and Pippen have been gone. It's just been nothing. The Bulls have been awful. Terrible. But they went back to the playoffs a couple times. Barca's on that route right now. Bar, I, guess, I guess the Bulls are comparable to maybe more Arsenal than, or so than that. Nah, no, nah, because they were never that good. Nah, be the Invincibles. But that's that's the level. That's the, the U.S. comp between those. And I'll be sure to timestamp this. I'm not sure if anybody wants to hear about soccer. At least I know some people won't, but I love it. Follow the passion. It's fantastic. Um, go check out the podcast that I did with Craig Holden as well. From Anfield Agenda. I will link that above and in the description as well. It was from a while back, but it was still, uh, it was still a very fun time that I had with Craig. And I hope to bring on Craig again. Maybe even be on Craig's thing sometime. Uh, Craig, Anfield Agenda is still one of my favorite pages out there in terms of just football pages, but you know Liverpool-specific pages out there as well. Uh, and now, Diego Maradona obviously had passed, and I hadn't talked about that yet. I was... And I wanted to at the time. It was incredibly tragic. Now, what he did af- off the field and after in his post-career, it's all besides the point. You don't kick a man while he's down. Um, the Argentina had the national three days of mourning. That's how much he meant to the country, how much he meant to the game. Napoli renaming it to the, 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 the practice, you know, place, the, the, the Maradona, the, 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 renaming the grounds to, after Maradona. Maradona just being the greatest of all time. He's easily the greatest, the greatest footballer of all time. Um, the hand of God goal, just... There's so many. You just just watch Diego Maradona if you haven't watched the highlights. I think even non-soccer people know exactly the highlight I'm talking about, where he just dribbles through the entire defense and then flicks it by the keeper. Even if you don't, you know who Diego Maradona is. You, you know who Pele is. You know maybe even Messi and all, but you definitely know who Diego Maradona is. Even if you're not, a, even if you're doing yeah, you're remotely close to a soccer fan, that's how much of an impact he had. How fantastic he was. Just a great, great, great. Footballer, just incredible footwork, incredible speed, and just incredible talent overall. And he's gone now, and he had an incredible impact on everybody that was around him. And in terms of the game, I mean, there's probably so many kids that grew up in um, poor, very, very poor communities in South America who were able to catch glimpses of Diego Maradona and so much of watching him push them to pursue their dreams and break out of that. And probably impacted so many of these younger players and even middle-aged players, any of these players now in world football, especially from that, from the South, from South America. So rest in peace to Diego Maradona. And now the next thing we move on to before the closing is the Floyd Mayweather agreeing to fight with Logan Paul. And uh, God, why? Just, just, just why? Why is this a thing? Why is this a thing? Why? I, I, I just I don't understand. Floyd Mayweather is just. He's the best fighter, arguably the best fighter of all time. Easily the smartest fighter of all time. You can you can be indifferent or disagree or agree if he's a good person, not a good person. You can be indifferent on that, whatever it may be. But you cannot disagree with the fact that he's the smartest fighter of all time and he's undefeated and he's an incredible fighter. You don't have to like the way he boxes, but I can tell you right now that you have to respect his talent, his ability, and his ability to just flat out win boxing matches. And now he's fighting Logan freaking Paul and I can't stand it. Because just imagine the off chance that like, Mayweather gets hurt. or Imagine if Logan Paul wins this fight. You'll never hear the end of it. And I can't stand the Pauls. They're terrible. They speak so badly on our generation. People hate our generation for people like Logan and Jake Paul. They do some interesting things. He does some interesting things. And Joe Rogan has said, impressively enough, that they do have natural fighting talent. Logan Paul and Jake Paul both do have natural fighting talent. And for Joe Rogan, I said that he would take the, I think he would take Logan Paul in the MMA fight against Floyd Mayweather. But Floyd Mayweather's a boxer. They're in his world. 
And but he said that the, the that the Pauls, Logan and Jake, both have a natural boxing talent. So I don't expect this to be a good fight. I expect it to be probably one of the best um, promoted exhibitions ever because a lot of people are going to watch it because Logan Paul's in it. And Floyd's going to get a lot of money from it, I think, but I believe. So is Logan Paul. How the fight will turn out, I have no idea. Floyd's the smartest fighter ever. Logan's only been doing it for a little bit. But he's got some natural talent. And there's that so slim chance. I'd love to see what the line is in it, too going up because it might be a line where it might be worth just throwing 10 bucks on Logan Paul to make a hundred maybe even more so that's something to keep it on I'm sure I'll end up watching it too but just ah oh god just the off chance that Paul does I just I'm not a big fan of him not a big fan of him and I'm sure a lot of people aren't either but uh sure as hell will be entertaining leading up to it, at least and I wanted to see I wonder who else will be in the car maybe they'll have that little Tyson rematch with uh, Ray Jordan Jr. as well too so that'd be pretty cool to see that but we'll see that'll be coming up in the future i think that's set for february that is set for um and again we'll, we'll close it out with we'll be doing the vins organics giveaway soon enough again vins organics natural herbal um relief for sore muscles if the paints off aches pains strains anything like that people were on the cbd wave which is incredibly expensive um they are on icy hot ibuprofen listen 17 dollars right here natural no stimulants, nothing, just a natural herbal blend. Smells good, feels good, makes you feel better, gets rid of bruises, soreness, anything like that. And you ain't going to pay buku money for CBD products as well. Vins Organics is the way you want to go, and he brings you the Rufus Rundown as well. So head over to VinsOrganics.com, check them out in the description, and tell them Lucas sent you over there. Uh, also, too, as the next episode, I'd like to... Do the NFL picks on the weekend as well, and then get into a two-podcast-a-week thing. I'll have the second channel coming as well, too. Um, I think that's going to be the thing. I want to be able to do the second channel for gaming and streaming so I can separate those crowds because they're not the same crowd. And I don't want to piss one or the other off by doing one or the other. But if you do enjoy both, be able to subscribe to both channels soon enough. Ethan will be helping me out with the logos and stuff. Uh, also, shout-out to Ethan Souza Again, um, I keep his logo in here in the corner of the screen and everything like that. Ethan's a fantastic guy. Does great logo creation. Any of your needs for that, t-shirts, logos, anything like that, head over to Ethan Souza Design. Um, he'll take care of you for sure. He's done a lot of great work and done a lot of great work for me. And he's a great friend to me as well, too. Check out Ethan. I'll leave his stuff in the, in the information link in the description below. Uh, but that's all we have for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Be joining me. Um, be sure to check out my NFL picks this weekend. I'll be sure to do them. Hopefully win you guys some money if you guys do decide to bet on them. And then, like I said, I'll have the second channel coming and be more consistent with this as well with the podcast and some other related stuff too. Hopefully bringing some more guests on and stuff in the future as well too. I like to be consistent when I bring guests on because it's not fair to them if I'm not totally in my group getting the max viewership that the guest deserves. But I have some creative ones coming up in the future, so stay tuned for that. Be sure to hit the like button, drop a subscription. It's your boy Rufus, signing off.